Amen. Well, I am, I am glad to be, to be here with you today as we celebrate and wrap up VBS. Um, I, I know I said it already, but I, I just want to, again, just say thank you to all of you who were a part of VBS, whether you were here volunteering or you were at home praying for us every day, keeping up with us uh, via social media and the different things that we had going on. We are just, uh, I, I am so blessed. Uh, to be in a place that, that loves our kids so much and pours into them um, again and again and again above and beyond. I, I'm so thankful for that. So thank you to all who, who were with us, who, who volunteered, who prayed for us, who donated, who brought things during the week, who uh, sent text messages of like, man, you're almost there. You can do it. That didn't look fun at all. You know, uh, 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 I, I'm very thankful for for all of the support that you guys give. And, and Pastor Michael uh, mentioned our, our kids raising money for Romania and the shaving cream battle that we had. The, the, the girls ended up winning. And I don't want anyone to start getting ideas. Okay, that's kind of where I just want to start today. I don't want anyone to leave today and start thinking to themselves, you know, I wonder if, like, if, uh, if I give on a Sunday, if I get to, like, you know, pie somebody in the face or if I can do something like that. So, uh, that's, that's reserved for VBS only, so you know, uh, that, don't get any ideas in your head. Uh, this week with our kids, uh, our theme was, it was called Make Waves, and we talked about choices. We talked about choices that kids make, that kids are surrounded by, and, and I can't help but think, um, I, I said this to a couple of our kids this week, and they just kind of looked at me like they had no idea what I was talking about. And you know, uh, it's one of the very few times in my life that I've looked at a kid and I've thought, man, I am old. And I didn't like it. It was weird. Now, I know what a lot of you are thinking sitting there right now. You're going, oh, my goodness, you're nowhere even close to being old. But just let me, okay, let me explain. Uh, we were talking about choices, and um, one of the kids, we were, we were talking, and, and I said, you know, uh, kind of like um, uh, in Indiana Jones and the Holy Grail, he had to, you know, make a choice at the end of the movie. Just kind of got a blank stare from the kid, and I was like, you know, Indy, the bullwhip, the hat, Dr. Jones, kid just looked at me. Okay, well, there's a movie. And I, I kind of wrote it down. I was like, all right, use on Sunday. They will get it, you know, type thing. And so uh, we talked about how our choices matter. And this has always been a scene of a movie that just like exemplifies the choice to me, a choice that you have to make. If you're not familiar with the movie, uh, Indiana Jones, he's an archaeologist. He's, he goes around the world hunting treasure and things like that. And he's on this quest to find the Holy Grail. And he comes to the very end of the third movie, and he's standing in this room with a guy, and there's all of these cups. It's a room that's full, a counter that's full of all these different uh, cups and chalices and bowls and all these things. And uh, there's a, 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 a guy there that tells him, he says, you have to choose which one of these is the Holy Grail, and you drink from it, and, and you know, if it's the right one, you win. And it's kind of, you know, a, a famously quoted line, because the first guy walks up and he picks one, it's very ornate and very big, and he takes a sip of it, and it's like this dramatic pause, and the guy goes, you have chosen poorly. And he makes the wrong choice, and then Indy comes up, and he chooses the right one in the same line, except you have chosen wisely. And I thought about that this week as we were talking about choices that we make, uh, and our kids, they learn how their choices affect the world around them. And as I begin to think this morning, I begin to think, um, you know, for you guys and for us this morning, a, a great thing to remember, our, our bottom line or our, our life lesson today is that God uses us to change the world around us. See, we talked this week with our kids about how our choices, they change the world around us. They have power to what we do. 
Because sometimes we kind of think of our choices as we walk through our day as just, you know, oh, it's, it's what I did. It's kind of just, you know, who cares? It's not that big of a deal. It's not really going to affect that much or change that much. But this week we learned and we see uh, through the book of John how our, our choices, they matter, and how God chooses to use us to change the world around us. It's simple to look at our lives and say, man, I'm just little old me. I just kind of do my thing. I get up and I go to work. It's a conversation that I have with my mom at least once a week when she calls and she says, hey, how's it going? What's going on? And I say, mom, the same thing that's been going on for X amount of years now at this point. I go to work and come home and go to work and come home. And I always kind of feel bad when I say, I'm like, I I wish I had something different to say. So moms, when you call your kids and they say, mom, it's the same, all don't, you know, just they're trying, you know, a type thing. And and our choices though, we see that sometimes they fool us into thinking that they don't matter, but they do. The way we live, the things we choose, it matters. And John chapter 7 um, is where we're going to start, and then we're going to look at John chapter 4. But John chapter 7, there's a verse where Jesus is speaking, and he stands up and he says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And the one who believes in me will have streams of living water flowing from deep within him. See, Jesus takes this example and he uses this, this analogy of living water that flows from us, and it begins to change people around us. It begins to overflow onto those around us and change the world that we live in and change the people around us. But in John, this isn't the first time that Jesus has used this analogy or used this example for people. There's, there's a story a few chapters earlier in John chapter 4 that a lot of you are probably familiar with. In John chapter 4, verses 1 through 40, and listen, we're not about to stand and I'm not about to read 40 verses to you, I promise. Because I saw, I saw a lot of you in the room when I said 1 through 40, it was kind of like, whoa, that's a lot. I even got asked this morning, I was like, are you going to read all 40 verses from John chapter? And I was like, no, no, we're not going to do that. But we find a story that's very familiar to a lot of you, and it's Jesus and his disciples, they're traveling and they come to a place and they stop at a well. And Jesus sends his disciples ahead of him into a city. And while Jesus is sitting at this well, a woman comes to draw water from the well. And as Jesus is sitting there, the lady comes and and they begin a conversation together. And Jesus asks her, he says, can I please have a drink from this well? And the woman says, you don't have anything to drink of. And Jesus responds and he says, everyone who drinks from the water that I give from this well will become thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I will give will never thirst again. In fact, the water I will give will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. We see this example again of living water that is in each one of us. And as we begin to think about our choices and we begin to think about how God uses us to change the world around us, I find it interesting that this is kind of the the wording that he chooses to use. This life-giving idea of water flowing from within us onto others around us. As I thought about this this morning, I began to ask myself the question, said, how, how, do, how do I begin to affect change? How do I begin to see change happen in the world around me? How exactly does God use me to bring change around me? 
There's a couple of things I think we can see from Jesus and this woman at the well as their interaction goes on that we can learn this morning of how God uses each and every one of us to change the world around us. How God uses our choices, the things that we do every day to make a difference. But the first thing I think that Jesus teaches us and shows us in this passage is that for us to, to, to bring change, for us to see God use us in a mighty way, that it begins personal. It starts with a personal relationship with Jesus. In John chapter 4 and John chapter 7, where Jesus uses this living water phrase, he says, uh, this is, he says, everyone who drinks will, will, will thirst again, but I will give them. They will never thirst again. And he says later in John chapter 7, the one who believes will have rivers of living water. See, the Bible tells us very clearly that those who believe, those who personally follow Jesus, they're the ones who are, who are changing the world around them. They are the people that God is using to change the world every single day. Now, you may think to yourself, I, I, I don't understand that. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. You know, there are people who do good uh, all around us, but, but this change is different. We're going to get to that in a moment as we talk about this overflow that this water does in our lives. But it, it all begins with this simple idea that, that there's a belief that has to take place. If you look through the New Testament, especially um, the book of Acts, you'll see a recurring story over and over and over of people who choose to follow Jesus and are baptized, and it's always the same. It says, so-and-so, they believed in Jesus and then were baptized. They believed and then they were baptized. Over and over again we read this. There's belief and then following. There's belief and then the rest of their lives. And the Bible tells us very clearly that, that all of us, we have been called to this personal relationship with Jesus that begins with believing. It begins with taking a recognition in and of ourselves and saying, you know what, it's, it comes to a personal moment where I have to choose, do I believe or no? It seems kind of like a simple question, and I'm sure if we walked around the room, you know, and said, uh, do you believe or no, you know, everyone would say, yeah, I believe, sure, well, you know. Uh, but the question really becomes, what is it exactly that this word believe means? What are, we, what are we talking about when we're asking people to believe? Is it simply understanding? Is it simply knowing facts? What, what does it mean when we're called to believe so that God can, can begin to change the world around us by using us, through us? The Bible tells us very clearly, it paints a picture for each one of us of what it means to believe. The Bible begins with a story in Genesis chapter 1 of God creating everything. And then you all know how the story goes. Genesis 1, God creates. Genesis 2 is a reminder of God's creation. And Genesis 3 is sin steps into the world. Adam and Eve are tempted. They choose to disobey God and sin enters the world and people are forever separated from God. You know, you should come upstairs sometimes and you should talk to kids about the choice that Adam and Eve made uh, to disobey God and how it affected everyone. There are going to be a lot of kids who, when, when, when they get to heaven, they go to Adam and Eve and have a very stern conversation with them about how, you know, if you would have just obeyed, that that wouldn't have happened. I would like to give my opinion on how you messed up, but sin enters the world. And sin affects every single one of us. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans that we have all sinned, that we all fall short 
of God's glory. And Romans chapter 6 tells us that the penalty, the punishment, the consequence of sin is forever being separated from God. God who created us, God who loves us, God who made us and knows everything about us, that we've been separated from him by our sin. Romans chapter 5 brings great news. It says, but God proved his love for us. That while you and I were still sinners, the Bible says uh, in another passage that while we were enemies with Christ, that God sent his son Jesus to die for us. To take our place, to step in and say, hey, this punishment and this consequence that you deserve, I'm standing in the gap to take this for you. And the Bible tells us that Jesus died on a cross and he rose again three days later. We just walked through the Easter season where everything is about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The wonderful moment where we see Jesus rise from the dead. Jesus is risen and we celebrate that and we remember it because of what it means. Because it means that that we do not have to face the consequences of sin that a way has been made for us to be saved. And Jesus steps in, and the Bible tells us very simply in Romans chapter 10, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. It seems like a weird place to start a, a Sunday morning at. It seems like a weird place to start a sermon at. You know, it's kind of a, you know, that's supposed to go at the end. You're supposed to at the end tell people, hey, you need to believe in Jesus. But today, I think it's so important for us to understand and to realize that for God to use us to change the world, for us to begin to see change take place around us, for us to see change happen in our own lives, it has to begin personal. It has to start by coming to a realization and saying, hey, you know what? I've got to ask myself an honest and kind of tough question. God, do I believe. I know I know these things. I know that I understand them. I know that, you know, I've been to church before and I've heard the whole thing. I I went to VBS one time and my teacher talked about this or I remember it from my grandma when I was growing up and every summer I would go see her and she would drag me to church with her. And so I know all these things. But Jesus moves it from uh, from a moment of knowing this to saying everyone who, not everyone who understands this, not everyone who's heard it before, but everyone who believes. It's a different, it's, it's different. It's a, it's, a, it's a different step that has to be taken. And today, before we go any further, I, I just want to make sure very clearly that we understand that for God to begin to change who we are, for God to use us to change the world around us, it begins personal. It starts with a commitment that says, God, I, I believe and I want to follow you with my life. If you've never done that before, today is, today is a great day for that. Today is a great moment to say, hey, I want to be someone who believes in Jesus, who believes and accepts that God made a way for me to be made right. Because for God to use us to change the world, it all begins personal. It begins with this personal relationship, but it doesn't end there. See, the first step is God changes who we are. God, God, a, a personal relationship with Jesus begins this process in our lives where we begin to see change happen around us. But before change can happen around us, the second thing we see is that, that this personal relationship with Jesus, it leads to life change in us. Now, I don't know about you guys, 
Um, I like watching sports. I enjoy watching sports. And the other night, I was the NBA Finals are going on right now, and I was sitting in my house, and I'm watching the Golden State Warriors and the Boston Celtics uh, play in the NBA Finals. And there's a guy who plays for the Warriors. His name is Steph Curry. He is um, probably the greatest shooter of all time. He's incredible, and he is uh, absolutely going off in the finals. He's, you know, scoring on everybody whenever he wants and things like that. And I caught myself the other night sitting on my couch in my living room and, and thinking, you know, I bet if the Celtics changed up their defense, they could stop him. You know, I think if they just did things a little bit different, I think they would be able to limit his scoring ability. As I ate another powdered sugar donut, you know, off the plate sitting next to me, I was like, man, you know, if I was coaching the Boston Celtics, this is what I would do. And listen, I've been to the Superdome before, and I know I'm not the only person who thinks this way. Because I've been to the Superdome, and I've seen wide receivers not finish routes, and I've seen cornerbacks get burned down the sideline, and I've seen quarterbacks make wrong reads, and I've heard a lot of people a lot of people who have very simple solutions for these athletes that are on the field. I've heard them strongly suggesting their ideas of what change needs to happen. I've heard a lot of people who think that, you know, if hey, listen, if they just gave me five minutes with this guy, I could fix what he's doing wrong. It's easy for us in our lives to look at other people and see change that needs to happen. It's easy to look around us and see change that needs to happen. It becomes much harder when we, when we stop and we begin to self-reflect and say, God, what change needs to happen in me? It's much harder when someone walks up to us and says, hey, I think you should change something. Hey, I think you should do something different. Hey, you guys all know how that goes. You go, well, why do you think, who are you to tell me what I need to change? Well, what, what about you? Look at what you need to change. We understand that defensiveness that comes when change is suggested. I am not a very good ch- change person. My wife, on the other hand, she loves to change things. So we play this game sometimes. Well, she thinks it's a game. I I don't quite know. Where I come home and my wife has rearranged things, and I try to not, you know, panic or have, you know, okay, I need a a squeeze ball for a few moments, you know, go stand outside and come back in and breathe and say, okay, this is all right. Okay, this is fine. It's just, you know, a chair has been shifted. It's okay. Uh, We don't deal with change well, but the first step, what begins to happen in us when we make a commitment to follow Jesus is God begins to change who we are first so that we can see change around us. Without change in us, then things around us are never going to change. Things are never going to be different. We're never going to be able to affect change on others if we first don't allow God to change who we are. When we look at the story of the woman at the well, the first thing that happens is an internal change for this woman because Jesus is sitting with her at the well and Jesus tells her, Jesus asks her a question. He says, hey, he says, while we're talking, he says, "Uh, go back to the city and says, bring your husband um, so I can talk to both of you. And the woman at the well, she looks at Jesus and she says, Jesus, I'm not, I, I'm not married. I, I don't have a husband. And then Jesus does something that we would make us really uncomfortable. Something that all of us, probably even when you read it or even when we look at it in verse 16 or, or verse 17, we probably kind of, you know, tense up a little bit and think, oh man, I don't, I don't like that at all. 
Because Jesus says, you have correctly said, I don't have a husband, Jesus responds. And he says, for you've had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And Jesus isn't trying to embarrass this woman. He's not trying to look down on this woman or, or, or bring this woman to a point where he can point his finger and, see, and say, see, look what you did. You need to change or anything like that. What Jesus is doing here, what we see an example of in our own lives is that we have to first confront internally what's going on in our hearts and what we, how we live and who we are before anything else. See, the Bible tells us that, that we need to be not conformed to this world, but we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, by the renewing of our hearts, by the renewing of who we are. This woman at the well, before she did anything else, Jesus brings her to a place and confronts her with her own sin and says, hey, you have to change who you are. Who you are has to begin to change before anything else can happen. The Bible doesn't stop there. It goes on to say that this change, it's not only inward, but it's an outward change as well. That the way that we live, the way we interact with others, that it's laid out and says, hey, change is coming in your life. Change is to be expected when you make a decision to follow who Jesus is. When you make a decision to believe, it's followed by change. The inward change, internal change, changes how we think, how we operate, what we're motivated by, what drives us in our life. But the outward change is how we treat other people, how we live in the world around us, the way that we choose to present ourselves on a daily basis. The Bible is full of examples and lays out exactly what it means to look like and to live like a believer. What a believer, what someone who follows Jesus looks like. Galatians chapter 5 gives a great uh, a kind of summation of all of these things. And the fruit of the Spirit says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Galatians says against these things, there is no law. There is no condemnation against living this way because this is what the life of someone who believes looks like. And this example, it's not meant to say, hey, if you've ever been impatient, you're in the wrong. Hey, if you've ever been unloving, you're in the wrong. If you've ever been unkind, you're in the wrong. Because listen, we've all driven cars before. And stuff happens when you're in a car. You, there's things that happen when you're driving that just, you know, man, it happens. I know y'all get that. But the Bible tells us that it's a process, that it's a journey that we're on of living these things out in our lives, that we are people who must exhibit and live these things daily. Ephesians chapter 6, or Ephesians, uh, chapter six tells us that the armor of God, that it's something that we must daily put on. Because we are daily in a battle of choices. Daily in a battle of a world changing around us, and how are we going to influence it? We influence it by living our lives uh, the way that God has called us to and following these examples that have been set for us and saying, God, I know how to live. God, now I need your help to do it. God, every single day I need your help to be patient. God, every single day I need your help to be kind. 
God, every single day, I need your help to show joy, to be loving, to have self-control, to live these things out. Because as we live these things out, as we change who we are on the outside, as we change how we interact with others and we influence other people, it begins to rub off. You guys have always heard that kindness leads to kindness. And you've probably seen examples either on the news or in different things where you watch these and uh, they'll, they'll do a feature on, you know, a guy in a, a Starbucks line who they pay for the person's coffee behind him. And then for an hour straight, everyone pays for the next person in their line. And when, when we choose to live this way, it rubs off on other people. As we change who we are inside, as God changes who we are, Through our relationship with him, it begins to bleed out of us. It begins to bleed out into our actions and how we treat others. And it becomes not just a change in who we are on the inside, but a change in who we are on the outside. And it's a great marker in our life to look at, to say, you know, again, it's not perfection. We're not looking for someone who says, I have never been impatient. I have never done these things. I am always kind. I am always practicing self-control, but it's people who are growing towards those, becoming more like Christ every day and saying, God, help me live these things out daily. We can be tempted in our lives to simply lean towards one of these changes. We can lean and say, well, God, I know what you've done in me, and so it doesn't matter how I live. God, I know what you've done in me, and so I can just do whatever I want, and I'm just going to rest on that assurance of what you've done in me. It doesn't cut it. We look the other way, though, and sometimes we think, well, if I just change to make myself look like a church person, then I'll be all right. If I change what I do on the outside to make myself look like I think I should, then everything will be okay. So I'll go to church, and when someone asks, I'll tell them that I read the Bible and that I do the right thing because, you know, that's what we're supposed to do. And no real change is happening in us we miss the point altogether because when God, when we begin to believe, when we commit our lives to follow Jesus, our lives change. It changes who, are, who we are on the inside, who we, who we are at our core, but it also changes what comes out of us. It changes how we interact with other people and how we treat others and how we live our lives daily. The third thing we see in this example from Jesus is that this change that happens because of belief in him, that it overflows to others. If I had a cup in front of you sitting on the stand today and I began to pour water in it, there would come a point where the glass was full. And if I kept pouring water, water would begin to flow over the edges of it. If I had that same cup and I poured sand in it, when it got to the top, sand would begin to overflow. Whatever you pour into that cup, when it fills, if you continue to pour, that's what will come out. No matter how hard I try, if I stood here and poured water into a cup in front of you, there would never be a point where it would all of a sudden change into a Coca-Cola as it started to overflow. I would never be able to pour sand into a cup, and when it got to the top, we would begin to see, you know, something else. Marshmallows was what popped in my head, but I, kids ministry, the kids will do that to you. It makes may start thinking things like that. But what we put in is what comes out, and the Bible teaches us, and it shows us very clearly that as God begins to change who we are, that change, it overflows onto people around us. 
The story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4, she has this moment with Jesus where Jesus confronts her about her sin and begins to talk with her about change, where she, she, she commits and begins to believe in who Jesus is and what he's saying to her. And the Bible says that she returns to her, returns to her town and that many people that lived in her city were saved that day because of her testimony. Because she went back and began knocking on doors and saying, hey, you are never going to believe what just happened to me. The dude is still out there. You can go now. The Bible says that many people were saved because of this woman's testimony. As we begin to live for Jesus and see change happen inside of us and who we are, it begins to overflow out of us to other people. This is where I love this example that Jesus used. And he chooses to use these words of, of living water or a spring that, 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 that swells up within us and, and bursts forth to others. Because we all understand and we know the effect that water has on things around it. You understand that if you have a plant in your house, you have to water it to keep it alive. Now, you may not water it. That's, you know, none of my business. But water is what keeps it alive. When we think of water, we think of it bringing life. If you watch, um, you know, uh, Animal Planet or any of the, you know, uh, uh, anything on any of the channels that deals with animals, animals are all in the wild, are always moving. And why are they always moving? Water. They're always moving to where water is. I think it's a great example that Jesus sets and he says, it's not just good things that come out of you. It's not just being kind to other people, he says, but what comes out of you is living water that will change your surroundings, that will change the world around you as what is in your heart overflows and comes out to others. Jesus reminds the people here that it's not based on on, on just um, what's in us, but it's our connection to the source that all ties back to the uh, we can't just be kind for the sake of being kind but our kindness has to come from being connected to jesus from the living water that he gives that he's given to each one of us as we commit to believe and to follow him it flows out of us in the living water that comes forth it begins to change the world around us that is, we're kind to people as we live out these, these outward changes that happen. It begins to open the door for us to, to lead people to Jesus, for us to, to begin to influence others, not just to be good coworkers because, hey, that's what we're supposed to do, but to influence others to change who they are because of what God has done in you. The woman at the well, if you read her story, she doesn't go knock on doors and say, hey, you're never going to believe um, there's this really cool dude. He did a magic trick at the well. You should totally go see it. She goes and she says, the Messiah is down the road. You need to go. I think it's a great reminder for us that, that the overflow of what we have in our heart, that it reaches other people, that it begins to spread to other people. And the overflow of our heart should first and foremost be, hey, you will never believe what God has done for me. Hey, let me tell you how God has changed who I am. Hey, if you want to know why I used to live this way or used to be like this or do these things, but this is who I am now, let me tell you, it's not because I wanted to get along with you guys better. It's not because I got tired of people being mad at me or not getting invited to things or, or people talking about me, but the reason for change in my life is because God has done something in me. 
I committed to follow Jesus and God is changing who I am. And now it's simply flowing out of who I am. It's overflowing from my own life onto the life of others. As we see these three things, I, I think it becomes very clear that, that for all of us in the room, it's got to start personal. Jesus makes it very clear. He says, the one who believes, he says, anyone who believes, this is what happens. He says, but the first step is belief. The first step is saying, God, I commit. And uh, taking that step of following through and saying, Jesus, I want to believe and follow you in my life. When it's personal, it changes us. When it's personal, it changes who we are. It changes who we are on the inside, at our core, what drives us, what motivates us. But it changes how we live and how we interact with others. And then that change, it overflows onto the people around us. And what we begin to see is that God uses us to change the world. Now, we may not see it in the way that we think we will of I'm going to change the world and that means I'm going to be on TV and people are going to listen to me and I'm going to have this major realm of influence where everyone, everyone has their attention towards me. But it may be that God uses you to change the world by reaching a coworker for Christ. God chooses, God uses you to change the world by standing in your family and saying, hey, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It may be that God changes the world in your workplace or the ballpark or whatever sphere of influence you have. That God uses you to change the world around you because you have allowed him to change you. In John chapter 7, where we found our key verse at for this week, where Jesus stands and he says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And the one who believes will have streams of living water flowing from him. There's a crowd of people there. And half the people that are there, they immediately stand and they say, we believe this is the Messiah. But there's the other side of the crowd that begin to murmur to one another and say, we've got to do something with this guy. The Bible tells us that they immediately begin to plot how they can arrest Jesus in this moment and how they can begin to take him down. This morning, as we think about God using us to change the world, I see these reactions that people have, and the same rings true for us. For some of us in the room, maybe you've never had that personal moment where you've said, you know what, I want to choose to follow Jesus. You've done the church thing. You've done the, this is kind of how I'm supposed to live because, you know, my wife said I should do this, or... Like I said, my grandma brought me to church, and so now I'm just kind of, you know, it is what I do. Every other Sunday, I kind of, if I'm up on time, or if I feel like it, or if it fits in my schedule, I'll go. And we just kind of play this game. But for some of us today, today is the moment where it's time to say, hey, you know what? This is personal. It's not just something I can be around and rub off on me, but this is something that changes who I am, and it's personal. If that's you today, we would love to talk with you. Please find one of our staff members, find one of our pastors, reach out to us, and and we can begin a conversation on what it means to personally follow Jesus, to make a personal commitment to say, I believe. For some of you in the room, you've already made that decision, and, and it's time to begin to live that out. You said, okay, you know, I'll believe, and and God, I mean it, and I'm going to do it, but maybe it's just something that hasn't begun to flow out of you yet. That there's still things that you're holding on to where you say, God, I'm willing to believe, but I'm not quite willing to give this up. 
I'm not quite willing to change this or move on from this thing. And God, you know, we'll talk about these other things, but I'm not willing to give this up. For some of us, it's time to begin to say, take the hard, hard steps of self-reflection and say, God, through the Holy Spirit, will you speak to my heart? Show me what change needs to happen in my lives, in my life. And for some of us, it's about overflowing onto others. Taking that step forward and saying, God, I believe and I've seen the change that has happened in my life. God, help me to begin to change the world around me because of what you have done in me. Let's pray. God, we love you and we're so thankful for all that you do for us. God, I pray that today you you would help us to remember and see, maybe for the first time, how you used us to change the world around us. Lord, I pray for anyone in here who who has not taken the step of believing in you, God, that, that you would speak to their heart right now. God, that you would give them confidence and boldness to say, you know what, I want to make that decision. I want to take that step of following Jesus and surrendering my life today, committing and saying, God, I believe. And God, I pray that as you change us, as we become more like you, as we become imitators of you, God, that you would would flow out of us with rivers of living water to other people. And God, that we would see you change the world through us. God, we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.